0: The Gospel reading this morning is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. You might like to get your Bibles out and ready, because we'll be looking at this in our sermon today. The Gospel of the Lord, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Their sins are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well in today's world many people say that seeing is believing, don't they? You know I mean you can't be too careful. there's plenty of fraudsters out there, people ready to suck you in, take your money and scoot out of there. And with all the emergencies, that have been going on in the past year, the scams have even entered into new territory too, haven't they? There's fake bushfire victim support websites that you can donate to and have your money not given to those that it's promised to. So we say, that's it. I'm not gonna get sucked in anymore. I wanna see the evidence. I wanna see it with my own two eyes. And so now, as the media responds, we're almost saturated by videos in every medium possible. TV, of course, but news websites, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. And, well, there's videos for everything, isn't there? If you were looking in from the outside, from another world, you might even be convinced that if it's not in video somewhere, then people don't believe it really happened the visual medium really does impact us significantly in long-term ways, doesn't it? You may well still have etched into your memory that vision of the infamous scene of the planes flying into those buildings from September 11. But is seeing really believing in the end? You know, do we have to be there to see it for ourselves with our own eyes for it to be real? I mean, there's plenty of things that we see on a screen that aren't real and there's even illusions that we can be seeing in real life. And further, could there even be reasons to believe in something, believe that something is true, believe in someone when we haven't seen them with our own eyes? Could there be real evidence that we end up Missing because of our enslavement to the eye. Well, today, we're looking at an account, an account of someone who did see, who did see for themselves, the account of the Apostle John. And he doesn't say, oh, you should, you should have been there, you missed out. No, he says, here is a reason why I'm writing down what I've written. Here's the reason why I bothered with all these words. Verse 31, he says, These are written that you may believe. You see, he's writing that we now, only about 35 lifetimes on from him, that we now might see. Not that we might see exactly as he saw, in the flesh and blood, but still that we might see the evidence that he gives us and believe. Well, it was the evening of the first day of the week. The disciples had had a weekend full of grief. And then earlier that day, Mary had come running from the tomb, hadn't she? With the news that the stone had been rolled away, as Mark showed us last week. Peter and John had run to the tomb, finding it empty, seeing the linen cloths wrapped That Jesus was wrapped in lying there. And later Mary had come running to them saying, I've seen the Lord. So now it was evening. The disciples are inside locked for fear of who might come knocking. Confused. Bewildered maybe. Would they get arrested for stealing the body? But then verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. I believe it was a common greeting of the time. Good morning to you. They might have even said it to one another earlier that day in their interactions with one another. But in light of what Jesus had done now, there was a deeper meaning here. You think about the last thing that had happened. Jesus was arrested, wasn't it? Jesus was arrested. They'd all fled, scattered as the shepherd was struck. That was their last personal interaction with Jesus. How ashamed they must feel for what they'd said earlier that night. We will lay down our lives for you, they said. But then they left him, abandoned him. But now, with peace, Jesus comes to them. Not just bearing no ill will, I don't hold that against you. No, no, peace, peace to rest their broken souls in. Peace to know that their failures, their failures to him, failing themselves even, their failures had been covered. They were not held against them anymore. Peace he brings in their grief now. But also peace, peace that would stay with them, that would stay with them till their life's end as he went to the Father. You see, Jesus had spoken of this peace just a few days earlier with them on the evening before it all happened, before he was betrayed. John chapter 14, verse 25. All of this I've spoken to you while I was still with you, Jesus said. Verse 33 of chapter 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And so in these moments when Jesus comes and shows himself to them, their mourning turns to dancing. Their sorrow turns to joy. You can just imagine the change of the mood in the room from downcast, confused, to joyous and jubilant. Jesus showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, it says, were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's really me, he says. The one who was crucified. These marks of his suffering. His hands and his feet, his side, they were still present in his body after the resurrection. Present now on earth to give convincing proof to the disciples that it really was him, that it really was Jesus who was standing before them, who had died on the cross and risen again. But these wounds will remain visible in eternity as a witness to his grace and saving power for all who believe the cross is Christ's glory but though he was with them now at this moment this wasn't a new norm that they ought to get used to he so he was not going to stay with them in this way but there was work to be done he was going to the father and they had a mission as the father has sent me jesus says i am sending you and breathing on them he signifies the power that they will receive as those sent by him. They will receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, following that, sounds a little serious, maybe a little strange, to put the forgiveness of others into the hands of mere humans. But Jesus is saying here, he's saying that, those, that the, the, the message of the gospel doesn't shoot with blanks. It's not impotent. You see, what's on offer in this message of good news from Jesus is real, live forgiveness. Peace with God, the one true God, your maker and your judge. And God has chosen to carry this message of peace and this message of forgiveness to the whole world Through Christ and his people. Through Christ while he was here, and his people once Christ returns to him. You see, at first that was the 12 apostles, but ongoingly, through that same gospel, the same apostolic gospel on the lips of all his disciples. You see, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, then when you speak the gospel, you speak words that carry the power of God for salvation. And for you this morning, when you hear the gospel, the message of salvation in Jesus on my lips this morning, you're not merely hearing frail human words, fumbling words of a person who lives just around the corner. No, no, you're hearing words with the power of God in them to bring forgiveness and to free you from the power of sin and death. And so then now, as you hear me say, Jesus is Lord, this one who has indeed given his life for you. So put your trust in him. When you hear that, this is the power of God available to you. God's life-transforming grace here for you to accept. But so too, just as God's power is here to receive and to bless, God's power... ...can be rejected. We can turn from it. And indeed to reject... It ...is ultimately to condemn. Because you see, when we refuse Christ... ...we deny ourselves the blessing of forgiveness and peace. We will not be forgiven. We will not have peace... God does not socially isolate himself from us, whatever we've done. But let me encourage you, please don't find yourself standing socially isolated from him. Well, here the disciples have witnessed a life-changing event, haven't they? A personal encounter with the resurrected Lord Jesus. But alas, Oh, poor, poor Thomas. He wasn't there and he's not happy. Now, I'm sure any of us would have been unhappy at at that same situation. Verse 25, though, Thomas says, Unless I see with my own eyes, unless I get to touch him with my own hands, I will not believe. It is possible that Thomas just said this rashly in the moment. But either way, there's something we need to look at closely here. You see, what Thomas says here is two things. Firstly, it's incredibly arrogant. We've got to see that, that it's incredibly arrogant to have multiple eyewitnesses standing around you, seeking to convince you all of what they've seen, reliable witnesses, but then to say no Not your perception, not your thoughts, but my perception alone is reliable. And that's who I'll listen to. It's incredibly arrogant, isn't it? But but that's actually what we say every time we make demands upon God to prove himself to us in the way that we want. I'll believe in him if he comes and stands right in front of me so I can see for myself. Friends, who are we to dictate to our creator the way that he must act in order to receive our acknowledgement? But still, you know what? On the other hand, it's exactly what I would want to say if I were Thomas and I'd missed out on seeing the Lord like the others. We all want to be the one who sees the miraculous, who has that personal experience. And because of that, because of that, I am so thankful to God for what happens next. You see, for in the kindness of God, in the kindness of Jesus... For Thomas and for all the sceptics out there just like him. Verse 26 in our passage follows verse 25, doesn't it? There's more to the story. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Notice that. Jesus makes Thomas wait. He waits a whole week. I'm sure it was one of the longest weeks that Thomas experienced in his whole life. It was a whole week when he could have been dwelling in the peace and comfort and joy of knowing that his Lord really was alive. But he'd nailed his colours to the mast with those other disciples and he wasn't backing down. Again, although the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them. Peace be with you, he says. And he turns straight to Thomas and commands him, commands him with the very words that Thomas had used to deny his belief one week earlier. Verse 27, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus didn't have to, did he? He didn't have to come. He didn't have to submit to Thomas's demands. Yet he did. He came. He humbled. Himself, To have his wounds investigated by one of those who had caused them to be necessary in the first place. And he came with astounding grace and kindness to Thomas, didn't he? What we cannot miss here is that Jesus really is for our belief in him. He's not simply withholding reliable evidence from us on a whim. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus presented himself to his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. There is ample evidence. There are many convincing proofs. Jesus wants you to believe in him. Jesus is calling you to believe even this morning, to take a step towards him. Why not do something about it? Why not come and explore the evidence of the life of Jesus? Come and explore the impact of Jesus in the lives of those who believe. Respond to Jesus' gracious call this morning to take a step towards him. Because you see, although he comes with amazing grace to Thomas, he also comes with something else too, doesn't he? Did you notice that there? He comes With a rebuke, he challenges such exaggerated self-opinion that Thomas typifies. Thomas, why? Why such pride that you refuse to accept the evidence staring you in the face? You believe because you've seen. But I should not need it to have come for your belief. Thomas, you had reliable witnesses standing around you. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Notice what Jesus is not saying here. He is not saying, blessed are those who believe without evidence. He's not saying what some of the atheists would take us to believe. That faith is just belief in the absence of evidence. No, he's saying there is real evidence. Blessed are those who believe on the reliable evidence of my witnesses. Just because you can't see him standing now in front of you doesn't mean there's no evidence. In fact, you don't need to throw out your rational mind to trust in Jesus. On the contrary, biblical faith is believing on good evidence. God used the one here, John, to write these things down for the exact purpose. Verse 30... Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples verse 31 but these are written why that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name belief doesn't come in the absence of evidence that's misguided faith not real biblical faith no real belief become comes because of the evidence and real belief in Jesus we read leads to great blessing. The blessing of true life. Living with God in your life now. And living with the certain hope of the blessed life to come. If you're listening this morning and you don't yet believe in Jesus or you're unsure about him, let me encourage you to come. To come and to look into things with me. Get in touch with us. Do something about it. We're starting up a course to look at the evidence of the life of Jesus in the next few weeks. Don't let this gracious offer of Jesus pass you by so that in the end you might only be left with Jesus' rebuke. But friends, if you have already put your trust in Jesus, then that's wonderful. Be encouraged this morning. And rejoice that there is real evidence. Evidence that strengthens and girds our belief in him. Evidence that urges us on to walk now following Jesus by faith. Even though we do not yet see him. Amen. Well, just a couple of things to bring to your attention uh, before we finish up our service this morning. I mentioned last week uh, the Life of Jesus course uh, that we're going to be doing over the next little while, uh, which gives an opportunity for people to look at the evidence around Jesus historically filmed on location uh, in Jerusalem and the Middle East uh, by John Dixon and Greg Clark. Uh, It's a great uh, opportunity uh, to engage with the material there, consider the evidence, uh, and to see what impact the reality of Jesus' life has on us. Uh, if you're interested, please do get in touch, and we'll work out a time uh, when it's going to work for everyone who's in, interested to be involved. Uh, that's going to be happening over the next, uh, in the next, starting in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but also, uh, your uh, parish booklet, uh, those on email would have received this uh, through their email, uh, and you might, uh, if you're not on email, received a, a printed copy. There's information on there uh, on the front page about how you can connect in with us for our morning tea times. Uh, We're doing that both uh, on the internet through a Zoom uh, account, Uh, but if you don't have the internet and you don't have a Zoom account, that's okay. You can simply use your normal telephone uh, to dial in and there's instructions here about how you can do that. Uh, Please take up that opportunity to connect with us uh, and to connect with uh, the church family uh, as we meet together. Uh, There's also information in here about the study for next week and some other uh, notices uh, that I'll let you look at. Thanks for being with us this morning. I pray that it's been an encouraging time, a time when you've had the chance to see some of the evidence for Jesus uh, and to rejoice with others uh, about how good God is.